Thanks for joining the Heights Church podcast today. We hope that you enjoy the message. If you're in the Sydney area, be sure to join us at the Heights Church at Golston Road, Hornsby Heights, Sydney, Australia. Today's Bible reading will be from Psalm 102, verses 25 to 27. Please follow along in your Bibles with me or on the screen behind. In the beginning, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. Like clothing, you will change them, and they will be discarded. But you remain the same, and your years will never end. I learned as a pastor a long time ago, you never ask questions about the sermons that have come beforehand, because it's a very humbling experience when you say, what was our, what's been our... Uh, our, our God is series and what have we looked at and people go, uh, I don't know. I'll, let, I'll refresh your memory. Uh, God is love. It was uh, one that we looked at, that's for sure. Uh, and then uh, we, we looked at that saying that God's love is unconditional and it's sacrificial and in humility we walk uh, with him in love. Then we looked at uh, God is trustworthy, or Chris led us through that, and that was uh, a really uh, great time of looking at how we, we can place our trust in him because he is faithful and trustworthy to keep his promises. His promises are sure. We looked at God as holy, that coming before him in his presence means that we will have a heart that will not only understand where we are as in, in relation to him as sinners, but we also understand that it leads us to a point that we want to tell the world about the salvation that we've experienced through him, as we remember Isaiah and got the coal and touched our lips and, and all those things. We looked at God is all-knowing, that there's nothing that we do that he doesn't know, there's nothing in life that he doesn't know. We looked at God as all-powerful, uh, and uh, Chris led us through that at, at Sunday night at the Heights, and that we can do anything because the God of this universe who is walking with us to bring about his will in our lives and in our church goes before and strengthens us. We can do all things through God who strengthens us. And unlike Moses who said, send someone else, we were challenged, do we put up our hands and go and be sent as well. Now, all of that would be pretty useless if the God's character changed. If sometimes he was trustworthy, but other times he's not. If sometimes he was loving, but other times he's not. If he was all-knowing except for the times he forgot. Or if he's all-powerful except for the times that he just didn't put up his hand to say that I'm going to do the things that I, I want to do. So this morning, as we wrap up our series, we look at the unchanging God. God's not like shifting sands or disappearing shadows. He's faithful. He's unchanging in our world. Nelson Mandela once said, there's nothing like returning to the place that remains unchanged to find ways in which you yourself have altered. The big idea is that the unchanged becomes the reference point for change, whether good or whether bad. That constant becomes sort of that, that vantage point 
through which we determine and understand our change. It's, it's what makes contrast happen very, very clear. For example, you would have experienced before those who are parents and, and have kids. You, you take a picture of, of your kids when they're little and I look back at and we've got ones where we're holding fish and, and, and the kids are playing on the beach and all those things. But as I look at them now, I only look back at that picture, that unchanging picture, because it was taken in a moment in time of where my kids are at now, where they've grown and how they've matured as adults. When I compare that to how they, how they are now, it kind of captures that person in shines. The, the unchanged becomes the reference point. I don't realise my theological thoughts have changed only when I go back to the unchanged sermons that I preached at the very beginning and I realise how they have changed many years ago. Most of the time for the better, I would think. For some of you, you will realise how you've learned discretion. You look back at the, the emails that you sent or the posts that you post or the text message that you post over time and there's the unchanged portion and you'll realise that you've learnt discretion over time. Some of you might have learnt that as things become clear. You realise these as you view everything through the lens of the unchanged. So naturally when we begin to view our world, we view it through the unchanged. The change that generally equals, it does equal most of the time, positive growth. Winston Churchill once said, to improve is to change and to perfect is to change often. To change often equals perfection. Now there's some flaws with that and hopefully the bells just rang in your, your mind because if you're like me, I'm not convinced that all change is positive. Secondly, on the opposite side of the coin, to not change means that you're negatively declining. The unchanged becomes a negative decline. Seems like a bit of an outcry of our culture, doesn't it? That if you can't change or don't change or if you don't evolve, if you don't change your mind, if you don't change your views, if you don't change your conviction, then you are negatively declining, as one author put it this way. If a society or country rejects change, there is no growth. No progress. The inability to change, progress or grow can result in stagnation and stagnation rejects realising one's full potential. Stagnation is not a healthy flowing river but rather an idle stagnant pond. What we need to understand is that this is a relatively new way of thinking. It's not an old way of thinking. If you date back to the philosophers of our world like Plato and times of the early writers, when they talked about change, they concluded there must be something that is unchanging. For Plato, the unchanging meant perfect, like perfect circles are always perfectly circular. Truth is perfect and always will be truth. And they concluded there's got to be something in this universe or in this world or in them or in their lives that is unchanging. And they believe to understand this ever in an ever-changing world around us, we need to discover a reference point by which we can understand the change, by which we can begin to understand the chaos of this world, where today we view the unchanging as outdated and stuck in the mud. For them, it was a mystery to be discovered. 
not a place to move on, on from, but they appreciated the discovery. They appreciated the journey to discovery. They viewed the unchanging as the anchor in the storm. We all need stability and we all long for stability. And we try to project or protect structures uh, in our lives to maintain that stability. Yet at the same time, we're a part of a world that's so rapidly changing, not only in technology and science, but, but in family life, in moral values, in leisure, and even church is changing. And while some may say we're evolving in these areas, but if we look at it, some of the areas in which we've discovered change, like in health and marriage and employment and finances, have only contributed to the instability that we've experienced. The Christian faith and the Christian themselves claims that in an unchanging world, we have an unchanging God, the reference point that we can look at everything from. And since he's the only one unchanging, he's the only stable reference point we have. In life, the only way that we can accurately evaluate the change that is happening around us is through his character, his change. So this morning we're looking at our final message in the series and the most critical aspect, I think, of God's character, and that's and here's the triple word score word last week we had uh, what? Sorry? Yeah, immutable is today. Last week we had not omniscient. This week's immutable. You're going to win Scrabble. There's no doubt about it. God is unchanging. He's not like shifting sand and disappearing shadows. He is unchanging. And how does he? How is he unchanging? First of all, God Himself doesn't change. Everything in our world has a beginning and an end. But the Bible says not so for God. If you have had grandchildren or you've got children, and there's a good chance that sometime around the line they would have asked you, who made God? And your response, like my response, would be, ask your mother. But I know the Bible gives answers, gives clear direction in this. In its very first words, in the beginning, God. And we're told that, when everything began, God already existed. And the writers of the psalm take that up, the same sort of thought. It says, your throne was established long ago. You are from all eternity. Before the mountains were born, you were brought forth the earth and the world. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. And Psalm 102 that was read for us, in the beginning you laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish but you will remain. They will wear out like a garment, like clothing. You will change them and they will be discarded, but you remain the same and your years will never end. God does not grow old like we know. We grow old. He doesn't start to forget things or become weaker. He doesn't have emotional mood swings. He doesn't want dinner at six o'clock precisely every night. He doesn't start watching antique valuation shows or renovation shows. 
nor does he react to situations according to his mood or moment. Now, the writer of the Hebrews says in chapter 13, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. And one theologian was correct in saying that God, he, cannot change for the better for he's already perfect. And being perfect, he cannot change for the worse. Or like the hymn says, the immortal, invisible God, only wise, we blossom, we flourish as leaves from the tree and wither and perish, but naught changes thee. How does God being unchanging, I think is a critical question, impact our lives? It means that as our situations change and as the moral and the values of our world change from his character, we have a reference point, an anchor in which we can become stable. While most of the time change is good and necessary, we need stability like I mentioned. When people go to hospital like we're prayed for today, people who are sick because of illness, God is the same supportive God today as he's always been in times of illness and at times of poor health. When we're on top of things in life or when we're feeling pretty overwhelmed, whatever, wherever we find ourselves, whatever life is made up for at this particular moment, God is there. He's still there. He's still understanding. He's still loving. He's still caring. He's the same all the time. And it means through the decisions that we make in life, whatever decisions we make in life, whether they're good or bad decisions, he cares and loves us through it all. His presence is not dependent on our circumstances and not dependent on my poor or good or poor decisions. God is our stable reference point. And it also means that, like Chris pointed out, that he is trustworthy and he's dependable. We often hear people talk about how they can't trust others because they don't know what to really expect for them. But with God, because he doesn't change, he's predictable. He's not mutable or changeable like people, but he's unchangeable. We know what to expect from him. He is faithful to his promises. Now, this is going to be heavy for a Sunday morning. So you're prepared for it. Get your brain happening or hopefully you've had a coffee. Because God has no beginning and no end and is outside of time, his promises are sure. Why? Because to him, the promises are not a future event to happen, like a wish or a hope or a promise to come about. He's outside of time because he sees the whole picture played out in the present, whether it be the picture of our past, our present or our future. Like Tim Keller points out, and it's a great illustration, it's like there is a flowing river underneath a huge mountain peak and God is on top of the mountain looking down at the river and he can see boats that are coming up the river that has not yet got to the point directly below the mountain. Then he sees there are boats there under the mountain and then he sees there are boats further on the river that have gone past that period of time and he sees them all in the present He understands them all in the present, but that's not it. This is the good part for our part, is that every boat looks up the mountain and sees the same God on top 
He does not change no matter what view we're looking at, whether the future, the present or the past. And that gives us great reassurance that as he promises that as you go past him and you go up the river, I know what's going to happen. To me, you're already there. And you can look up when you see, uh, when you're there further on down the river, exactly the same as you're looking up now and you can see God in the present, exactly the same as you trusted him in the past. Get that? What a great, great, great truth to hold on to. And God wants us in that to rely upon him. See, if we're honest, it doesn't seem that the unchanging God is always present. We're encouraged through that Tim Keller um, illustration to look up and see God, that he is present in all our situation. And the Bible encourages to look with eyes of faith that God is present. We know that God must be involved and he does not change. And sometimes in our situations in our life, we have to intentionally recognise that God is present, he is loving and he is caring. During and after the Holocaust, the Jews struggled with, this, with a searching question, where was God in all of that? And in one of the gas chambers, uh, those death camps that were around, that were found, there were these famous words written on a wall. It said this, I believe in the sun when the sun is not shining. I believe in love where feeling is not. I believe in God when he is silent. Like those people, no matter what happens in the circumstances of our life, we need to intentionally stand before God and say, I believe in you even though it appears that you're silent. I know that you're not. I know that you still care. I know that you're trustworthy. I know that you're all-knowing. I know that you're all-powerful. I know that you're unchanging. God is our anchor, our firm foundation. God is trustworthy and he does not change. God has been there and is present with us and will be there in the future. He does not change. Secondly... He does not change his character. Not only in himself is he doesn't change, he doesn't change his character. And because God, God does not change his character, his, because God does not change, his character must also remain the same. My character changes. When I was young, I was carefree with no responsibilities whatsoever, but to have fun, surf and do all the things that I love to do. But when you get to a teenager, you kind of live a YOLO life, which means you only live once and, and you do all the things that you want to do and you really don't have any responsibilities or anything like that. But as you get older, you know that the responsibilities change, uh, increase and the circumstances change and inevitably your stress increases and fatigue increases and combined with getting old and crusty, all play part in, in your character changing over time. Personally, as a teen, I didn't lay awake worrying about anything. <laughs> I had all the time in the world. But as years go on, I've got less patient. So instead of having it will all come out in the wash kind of attitude, I kind of have now life is too short to wait kind of attitude. But while we change, we're told in the Bible that God's character never changes. In Malachi... 
I, the Lord, do not change. So you, O descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. His character is the same. He who is the glory of Israel does not lie or change his mind, for he is not a man that he should change his mind. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. What is God's character that doesn't change? We've looked at that, obviously. We've looked at things over the past few weeks. But a great description, if you ever want to get a memory verse that's going to finalise and put the, the, the explanation point on this, this God is series, this is the one, Exodus 34. God commanded Moses to make uh, two more ta- stone tablets where he could write uh, the Ten Commandments and instructed them, as he previously did, uh, to, to write them down. And, and Moses ascended the mountain. God came down from the mountain that, we're, that we've looked at before in this series and proclaimed his name to Moses. And in doing so, he declared his character. We read this, that he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God is slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. He does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of their fathers and their third, third and fourth generation. And what was Moses' result? He bowed down. He bowed down to the ground and worshipped God. What's an appropriate response for us in this God is series? Not just the holiness one that we looked at, but what's an appropriate response for all of it? It's to worship him. And as Moses did, sometimes it's difficult to concentrate on praising God when, when we pray, but I encourage you to praise God when you pray. Like in Exodus, when God is there in the midst, in your midst, and you reflect upon his character and his goodness of who God is, that it will lead us to the highest position that we can get to, to come into his presence and to praise him, to honour him. But don't be satisfied with the times that you come into his presence in prayer through Jesus Christ. Be on about having an active relationship with him every day and increasing that, that relationship with him. We have our relationship as children of God, but we grow in that each day. God is lovingly committed to us. He is someone that we can tell anything to and everything to. He will not be shocked with us. We've looked at that over this series. He doesn't go, my goodness, you did what you did. I can't believe that you were even capable of that. If he's all-knowing, he knows us completely. He wants us to come into his presence and be real before him and to grow as living as his children. But like we started this series, Jehobed, the mother of Moses, comes before God and acts in faith and places Moses in the reeds, and then steps back having strategically looked at everything and have Miriam on her side. She hid off in the, thing, in the background. And then the Pharaoh's daughter came in, 
saw the baby, Miriam steps up and says, why don't you get a a Hebrew woman to care? And then along comes Moses' mum, Jochebed. And as I mentioned right from the beginning, she did not do that blind faith in blind faith. She did that because she knew the character of God. And the character of God, as we read in the Old Testament, was shared in the family. It was written on the doorposts. It was proclaimed throughout the house, through all the festivals that they did, through all the conversations of the family. The character of God and his faithfulness was proclaimed. And that led... To mission. It led to mission for Moses, who led the captives out. Remember how we looked at that hall of faith? And you have the hall of faith where everybody stepped out in faith, not blind faith, but knowing the character of God and reassured of his presence. They didn't know where they were going to go to. Quite often what was blind was the direction and, and the, the, the journey that they were headed on. But they stepped out. And as individuals and as a church, will we step out in faith for God? Strategically. We will strategically do that because as, as Jochebed did with Miriam, they, they worked out ways in which things were going to happen and they saw God at work. Well, we do that in our lives. A strategic part of your life would be that you would be involved in a connect group, that you would be in God's word every day and that you not only will read it for yourself but you'll allow others to speak into your life, to be praying for you and connecting with you as you're reading God's word and it transforms you. Strategy. Will you be praying for our church that in the Connect group you would not only pray for God's word to be in, connected into your life, but you pray for God's word and his promises and his actions to be true for our church, that we would walk forward with that? I pray that you do. It's been so encouraging over the last few weeks to see uh, and to hear of how people are so keen to see ministry grow and ministry happen within our church. And it's just even things like from last year when Andy got together names of all of our children and, and if you wanted a name to pray for over the time, well, then you could pray for a particular person. All the people who are out in the cottage and outside are our next generation here at our church. We need to be praying for them. Not only will they grow as Christians, but they will become missional in their thinking so that they might not be satisfied with just coming to church, but they would be church and be the light of God as he goes out into this world. And I pray you are too. Let's pray. Lord, we only begin to just touch the surface of your character. You've revealed to us things that you want us to know, Lord, but there will come a day when we know all where things that we just see in shadows now are open and clear. Even though, Lord, we live in a world of 
shifting sands and disappearing shadows. I thank you, Lord, that you are stable. You are unchanging. Your love has been revealed to us through Jesus Christ. Your great love. That you're trustworthy. We thank you, Lord, that it is through Jesus' love and his death that we're able to come before a holy God and even worship him without being consumed. Lord, you know every day of our lives. You are all powerful to bring about your will in our life. And we thank you, Lord, that today we've looked at so very briefly that in all of your character and your person, you do not change. You are the same today as you have always been and always will be. You are our rock that we stand on. Jesus is our rock that we stand on for our salvation. And that rock is the very cornerstone of our life that we build our life upon. That firm foundation that won't wither and crumble with the circumstances of life. We'll still have to go through the storms. We recognise that. Our culture will change. We'll have different impacts on our life to challenge the way that we think and what we do. But you are our reference point, our anchor, our cornerstone in life, and we give you thanks. Amen.